NPR. A few years ago, Carlos Cabrera was more than a decade into his career at Venezuela's state-owned oil company. He had started there after getting his degree in chemical engineering, and he had advanced to a role as senior project manager, leading a team of eight people from different departments. This is the go-to company when I graduated. I always want to work there. When Carlos started at the company, he earned the equivalent of $4,000 U.S. a month. But by 2017, Venezuela was in the throes of a years-long economic crisis. There was hyperinflation and poverty, and the local currency had basically become worthless. His salary had shrunk from four grand a month to the equivalent of just $20. U.S. It was a wake-up call, like, a, we're going to move right now. This is an emergency. Carlos didn't see a future for his two kids in Venezuela, so his family uprooted their whole lives and moved to the U.S. But despite his degree and years of experience, he couldn't get a job in his field. Thank you for taking your time, but we have to move forward with another candidate. They always say the same thing. It's like a script that you already know. To survive, he did everything from food delivery to stocking shelves. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Darren Woods. And I'm Waylon Wong. The labor mismatch in Carlos's story shows the challenges that workers can face when they move to new countries. Today on the show, we dive into a recent report from the World Bank that looks at global migration through the lens of labor economics. And we see how policymakers can be better matchmakers. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Certified Financial Planners. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, Certified Financial Planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's gotta be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Babson College. The world needs entrepreneurial leaders, and you can become one at Babson College. Gain the skills to lead, motivate, and inspire through a specialized master's or MBA program with full-time, part-time, and online options. Turn ideas into action with a graduate program that caters to your professional needs and fits your lifestyle. Ranked number one in entrepreneurship by U.S. News and World Report. Apply now at babson.edu slash gradprograms. This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. When you keep your stress bottled up, it can eat away at you. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to make them better. Try BetterHelp Online Therapy, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp at BetterHelp.com slash NPR today to get 10% off your first month. The World Bank estimates that there are about 180 million migrants in the world. That's about 2% of the global population. And you often see the term in news headlines to describe people crossing borders under traumatic conditions, like the hundreds of migrants who died last week when their boat capsized off the coast of Greece. The group included Pakistanis, Egyptians, Syrians, Afghans, and Palestinians. I think anybody who reads uh, the newspapers know how central the question of economic migration and forced displacement have become political conversation in many countries. 
Xavier de Victor works at the World Bank, which is an international organization that tries to reduce poverty around the world and promote economic growth. And the World Bank has a broad definition of migrant, basically anyone who lives outside their country of citizenship. So this is a big, diverse group representing a lot of ages and nationalities and education levels. It also includes all kinds of motivations for leaving. Some migrants are fleeing conflict or violence in places like South Sudan or Ukraine. Others, like engineers from India or domestic workers from the Philippines, are seeking economic opportunities. Migrants could help with a major demographic issue that a lot of countries face, including the U.S. As populations age and people have fewer children, workforces are shrinking. The World Bank addressed this in a recently published report. It's not only high-income countries, middle-income countries too. Countries like Mexico, India, Bangladesh, Tunisia, Turkey, are they going to be able to sustain their development with such rapid aging? Are they not going to become grey before they become rich? We wanted to see migration is happening, migration is going to be increasingly necessary for countries at all levels of income. How can we best managed? Xavier says that when it comes to studying migration, there's kind of two big lenses that people use to talk about the issue. One lens is around international law and human rights, as in how to protect refugees who are escaping violence or persecution in their home countries, and which countries have a duty to help out. We're seeing those tensions play out now in places like Europe and the Middle East. It's also a divisive issue here in the U.S., where lawmakers have struggled to pass comprehensive immigration reform for more than two decades. And the other lens for studying migration is an economic one. It looks at things like the costs and benefits of migration. This conversation is also a fraught one, of course, because migrants are people. They're human beings whose worth shouldn't be determined by whether they're making an economic contribution. And yet the search for job opportunities is a huge driver of migration. So the World Bank says labor economics can help guide policies. And one way the World Bank report thinks about migration is to determine whether there's a strong match between a migrant's skills and the needs of the country where they end up. An example is the migration of engineers from India to Silicon Valley, where a lot of Indians are getting jobs at tech companies. A strong labor match produces benefits. The benefits come from essentially the contribution of people in the labor force. I'm working, I produce, that adds to the economy. I pay my taxes. Those benefits outweigh the costs of migration, which could be things like providing public services. And there can still be friction around integrating these migrants into their communities. But Xavier says, broadly speaking, this should not be the hard stuff for policymakers to figure out. So that's, in a way, the relatively easy policy space because there's a gain. The difficulty comes when you start looking at situations where people don't bring skills that are very much in demand in the destination economy. In other words, situation where there's a weak match between migrants seeking work and the demands of the places where they land. In cases where the migrants are refugees fleeing persecution, the World Bank says that countries should share the responsibility of taking in refugees. Or the countries can give financial support to countries that do host them, like how some European countries provided emergency assistance to Poland for taking in large numbers of Ukrainian refugees. Another policy option for refugees who can't find a good match is trying to reduce the cost of hosting them. This can be done by allowing them to access jobs and education. That's essentially about letting them work, letting them go to school, integrating them into society so that they can contribute. 
For migrants who aren't refugees but can't find a strong match for their skills, the World Bank says the policy response might be, in some cases, returning them to their home countries. The World Bank report says that these categories of good and bad matches can be fluid. A migrant might move along a spectrum from a weak match to a stronger one. And that brings us back to Carlos Cabrera, the chemical engineer from Venezuela. I did whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Carlos ended up taking on a string of jobs that weren't at all what he had trained for, like driving a truck, stocking pet food at Costco, and delivering food for apps like DoorDash and Uber Eats. All the while, he was applying for jobs that suited his skills better, but he couldn't catch a break. And then one of Carlos's online searches brought him to a nonprofit called Upwardly Global, which helps immigrants and refugees with professional credentials get jobs. The organization helped him buy a laptop and connected him with a Google program to get certified in project management. And after earning his certification, Carlos landed a job as a project manager for a company in Texas that builds oil and gas rigs. When Carlos thinks back to those jobs where he was on his feet all the time or lifting heavy weight, he says he's grateful for where he ended up. I'm in a nice office with a nice computer. You know, I have a nice chair, being here, sending emails, filling a blank. (laughs) You know, that's luxury. The paperwork is a luxury. That is amazing. And also they pay you a lot more than the blue-collar job that you used to do. You have to say thank you to everything that you receive in your life. That's it. Being grateful for emails, I love it. And paperwork. (laughs) Yes. Upwardly Global says that about one in five college-educated immigrants in the U.S. are either unemployed or working in jobs that don't require more than a high school diploma. The nonprofit flagged one major example. Internationally trained healthcare workers often can't get licensed to practice medicine in the U.S. These migrants can end up in bad labor matches that limit their earnings potential and keep them from working in a field that's facing a severe shortage of trained professionals. Better policy to make stronger matches could benefit both a struggling healthcare industry and the migrants who are keen to fill those vital jobs. This show was produced by Brittany Cronin with engineering by Catherine Silver. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Viet Le is our senior producer, and Kate Kincannon edits the show. The Indicator is a production of NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Dana-Farber scientists laid the foundation for CDK4-6 inhibitors, new drugs that are increasing the survival rate for many advanced breast cancers. Learn more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Humana. Your employees are more than your coworkers. They're the heartbeat of your business. That's why Humana offers modern group benefits designed to protect employees and their families with dental, vision, life, and disability coverage. Humana knows every employee and every business is unique. That's why they listen to your needs and build plans with you and your team in mind. That's the power of human care. In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts.